I'm turning to this text I mentioned a moment ago that I've read so many times. It's Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 2 through 3. Thus says the Lord who made it. The Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Great and mighty things. In a few minutes, I'll be talking about what that word things actually means in Hebrew. I'd never found this before. But before we go there, I want to lay the foundation for that. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. We're in a season of seeking you. God, we're pursuing you with everything inside of us. We're praying. We're fasting. All during the day and night, there are prayers going up. And Lord, we know that you hear prayer. This verse that I've just read from your word said that if we call to you, that you will hear us. So we know that you are receiving our prayers. But I ask that you would open an understanding this morning to your word that I could speak what you have to say to your people and that you would equip us to be able to move forward into the good things that you have for us in this year that I truly believe is going to be better than what we've seen for the last several years. We're asking and inviting you to talk to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Let me get into this quickly because I've got, I'm so excited about what I've got to say that, and what I found in Scripture that I just can't hardly wait to share it with you. But as we began the new year, I also felt that what we needed to do was start a series on how to help us learn to pray better. Uh, Andrew mentioned the book that I've written on the 12 types of prayer, Moving Heaven to Change Earth. As it turned out, the bookstores already sold out of the, the books that we had. And so we're going to order some more. But uh, just to reference the material that some of you have already read because you've purchased the book. And Andrew, Andrew mentioned this as well. There are 12 types of prayer that I've outlined in that book. Many people think that prayer is just prayer. And you pray one way and that's it. And I'm going to get to why that kind of thinking hinders us in our prayer life. And I want to show you that according to Scripture, there are actually a number of different prayers that we can pray. Andrew mentioned, and he did a great job last Sunday. I was watching the services from Africa. He mentioned the seven devotional prayers and briefly mentioned the five strategic prayers, which are found in Scripture. And today I'm going to talk about strategic prayers. He concluded by praying one of the types of the seven devotional prayers that I mentioned, and I call it prayers of intimacy. And just to go over those quickly, again, there were prayers of thanksgiving. There were laudatory prayers, which were, are prayers of praise. And then there are prayers of contrition, like Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. There are prayers of petition. Asking, give us this day our daily bread. Prayers of dedication, like Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple. It's what we do every time we dedicate children. We're getting ready to be able to do that again after all this long season of not being able to because of this COVID thing. I can't hardly wait to have children's dedications because I believe in that so strongly. I think it provides a cover of protection for your child that... Nothing else can provide. And so if you've got a 70-year-old son that hadn't been dedicated yet, you have him here when we announce children's dedications. Amen. Because every child needs to be dedicated. I don't care how old they are. Amen. But then beyond that, there are prayers of commitment. And that's where you make commitments to God that are the result of your personal consecration. I think of the Nazarite. You were not required to be a Nazarite in the Bible, but you, you could enter into a vow, a Nazarite vow, and for an extended period of time or a shorter period of time. And that was a commitment that was not required that went beyond dedication. And then there were prayers of intimacy, such as Andrew 
spoke so well about last Sunday. Today, I want to talk to you about strategic prayers. I'll explain what that means in a moment and mention the five types of strategic prayers. There are seven devotional prayers if you were counting. And by the way, when I mention 12 types of prayers, please don't think that I believe I've got it all figured out. I'm still learning. There are, in fact, probably a number of other types of prayers that you could find in the Bible. The list is not meant to be comprehensive. But these seven devotional prayers and five strategic prayers obviously add up to the number of 12. Five is the number of grace. Seven is the number of completion in Scripture. And I find that this is really interesting because 12 is the number of divine government. 10 is the number in Scripture of the government of men. You have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Uh, I could go on in Scripture, but human government is represented in Scripture by the number 10. And I love the way the Scripture uh, unfolds all of this because there are so many visuals and so many different types of allegorical representations in Scripture that are used to help Scripture come alive to us. But 12 is the number of divine government. There were 12 sons of Jacob who began 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 apostles who began the church and 12 gates of the celestial city. And it's built on 12 foundations. And so the question is, what would happen if the church learned to pray all type, 12 types of of prayers. I just wonder if we could bring the government of God into the earth. Everybody's complaining about what's going on in politics around the world. Maybe it's because the church hasn't learned to pray as adequately as we need to, that man's government is in place instead of God's government ruling in the earth. And God's government is with, without imperfection. It's not, it's not impartial. It doesn't slight people. It's not divisive. It heals. It helps. It ministers to every need. The governments of men will always be led by men. And men are flawed. And that's why human solutions to the problems we face are sometimes not going to be Adequate, But someone might even ask, what difference does it make if there are different types of prayers? I pray, that, that's good enough, right? And they might think, as I said a moment ago, that, well, it's prayer. Who cares if there are 12 or 112? Well, if you want to pray effective prayers, how you pray does matter. We know that because the disciples saw Jesus praying and he prayed differently than others prayed. They didn't go ask others to teach them to pray. They went to Christ and said, we want you to teach us to pray. Now, to me, that's fascinating because they didn't ask him to teach them how to raise the dead or heal the sick. They didn't ask him to teach them how to craft a sermon. They didn't ask him how to do any of those things. They didn't ask him how to do miracles. They asked him one thing. Could you please teach us to pray? That's phenomenal because a craftsman has different tools in his toolbox, or a warrior might carry different types of weapons. Jerry's dad, my wife, he was a great Christian. I, I loved him so much. He was like a father to me, and I love my dad too. But, but Jerry's dad's been going to be with the Lord for a long time. But as long as I knew him, he used to love to tinker with automobiles. And he had this, this big toolbox that stood about that high and all these different shelves and all kind of tools in it. And he had a tool for just about everything. And prayer is like that. Prayer is a multifaceted tool. Now, you can use a hammer to break a board. You can beat on it and beat on it and beat on it until finally you have so destroyed the fabric or the fibers of the wood that it will eventually break. But there's something called a saw. And if you get that saw out of that tool cabinet, you can saw a straight line and do it a lot more easily. And the point that I'm making is that certain kinds of prayers seem to be more effective in achieving certain things than other types of prayers are. And who knows, perhaps if we can learn to kind of, to, to pray the kind of prayers found in the Bible, we might just see God do the kind of things we read about in the Bible.
Think about it. Amen. Prayer moves God to act. I wish somebody would say amen. When you pray, God, I want you to know this and never doubt it. God is alive, my friend. And God hears and God answers prayer. And when you move heaven, God can change earth. Oh, hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And so when we learn the types of prayers found in the Bible, what we're doing is learning to pray more targeted, specific prayers in the same sense that a missile that is unguided might go off and land anywhere. It's dangerous to everybody. But one that is guided like a laser to its target, what they call these days in the military is a smart, as a, uh, a smart bomb. It goes right to where it is designated or intended to go and surgically performs its task. There are ways to pray prayers that are targeted and specific that go right to the nature of what it is that God needs to do in your life. And listen to this, prayer matters. Prayer matters. History is decided. The present is transformed. And the future is released when you pray as a child of God. I want you to know that. History is decided. The present is transformed. And the future, your future, is released. And so strategic prayers are what I'm focusing on today. And strategic is defined as relating to or concerned with strategy. Highly important to or an integral part of a strategy or plan of action. That's what the word strategic means. Of course, it comes from the root word strategy. Amen. And so strategic is an adjective derived from the noun strategy. And strategy refers to a plan designed to obtain a specific goal or result. Is there anybody in this building today that has specific goals in life or things you're praying for that you would like God Almighty to do this year for you? Anybody? How many of you know God has some plans too? He has specific plans. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God has some plans that are specific. And strategic means simply that there is a plan designed to obtain a specific goal or result. Therefore, specific prayers would be prayers that are highly important to and are an integral part of God's strategy to fulfill those plans in your life. Strategic prayers will help God achieve those plans. Now, here's what's cool. This is not what I'm going to talk about to you about. You're going to be, your mind's going to be blown when I get to what I want to show you. Not because I found it. The word of God just, oh Lord, it blows my mind every time I read it. There's stuff in this book that will transform your life. Oh, bless his name. Can I hear somebody say amen? The word strategy actually has military connotations. It comes from a Greek word that refers to a military general or commander who develops a strategy or plan that will enable his army to defeat their enemy and who then leads them into battle. So the word strategy is actually talking about the thing that a military leader puts together to lead his troops successfully into war. That's important because the scripture describes our God as a military leader. You say, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he's called the Lord of hosts. You know what host means? It means angel armies. He is the leader of an army of angels. And he has plans to put those angels to work in your life. Oh, bless his name. Amen. Because you do realize that when angels fight for you, they can fight in a way you cannot. 
And they can get stuff done that you can't get done. All it took was one angel in one night. 186,000 of the Assyrians were killed when they came to threaten King Hezekiah and the city of Jerusalem. I'm talking about when God has an army of angels at his disposal and he implements the strategy that he has designed for those angels to achieve victory in your life. There, I, want you to, I want you to realize this. There's no chance that the devil's going to win. Amen. But in the New Testament, we find that this title is applied to Christ in a slightly different manner. But once again, he's known as the leader of angels' armies because in the New Testament, he's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You never realized the scripture described our God as a military strategist, did you? He is. You remember that time that Jehoshaphat, I'm sorry, Joshua was about to to attack Jericho and they had already crossed over into the promised land. And Joshua's out looking, surveying the battle scene one evening and there's a mighty warrior that suddenly appears and, and Joshua doesn't know what to think. He thinks, my God, is that an enemy? And he's ready to draw a sword and he said, are you for us or against us? And the angel that uh, was a physical manifestation, actually a theophany of God appearing in angelic form, says this. He said, neither. I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I am the one that's leading the army that is going to be attacking tomorrow. I'm the commander of the Lord's army, meaning that it was actually a theophonic representation of God. Joshua was seeing God manifest just as Moses had. And this is what the being told uh, Joshua. He said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. Because it was the very same I am who had appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And he showed up before Joshua and Israel went to war against Jericho. He said, I've got a strategy for you. And this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to march around the army, rather march around the wall, forgive me, of Jericho for seven days and don't say a word. Now, who would have thought of a strategy like that? And God said, I'm going to give you this, this, this city without you having to even work for it. And if you'll follow the strategy that I give you, you're guaranteed to succeed. This is the commander of the Lord's army. It's God. It's Jehovah. It's Elohim. The Lord of hosts. Angel armies. It's the king of kings and the Lord of lords showing up to say, you've got, you can do this one of two ways, Joshua. You can either fight the way you want to fight or I've got a strategy for you. And I want you to notice that in his hand, he held a sword. You know what that sword is? It's the word of God. And whenever God draws his sword, whenever God puts his word to action in your life, nothing can stand before the word of almighty God. All he's got to do is say, cancer, be gone. All he's got to do is say, blind eyes, be open." I'm preaching better than somebody's responding right now. All he's got to do is say to you in the middle of your dilemma, it ends right now. Victory is yours. Woo. And I love this. Everything he touches, he sanctifies. Take off your shoes, Joshua, because you're standing on the same ground I'm standing on. And when I stand on it, I make it holy. Hallelujah to the Lamb. When God shows up in a church service, it's not ordinary church anymore. Suddenly the atmosphere is transformed. Hallelujah. You see, the truth is we're in a war. We aren't fighting flesh and blood. And you and I need heaven's strategies in this war. We do. At least two of the divine attributes of our great God speak of the strategic capabilities of God. They are the attributes of omnipotence and omniscience. Think about it. Omnipotent means having all power. (laughs) 
Omniscient means having all knowledge. So when our God, who is a master of strategy, begins to put his knowledge at work and then uses his power to cause his knowledge and what he has planned to come to pass, there is nothing that can stand before him. You're serving a God that has all wisdom. He knows exactly how to get you through what you're navigating through right now. And he has all power. And every little enemy that pops up its head and says, I'm not going to let you make this this trip successfully. God just says, you don't know who their, their strategist is. I am the one in charge. And I said, they're coming through. They're coming through. Because I've got a sword. Now watch it. This is the word of God. And when he opens his mouth and says, you are strong, you're no longer weak. You are now strong. I'm preaching and I want you to get this right now. And when God says it's over, once it comes out of his mouth, the situation has ended. Because his word is the final, as it were, matter or the final act of the matter. Once he speaks it, it, that's the way it's going to be. So here's where I'm coming from. In life and in this year of 2022, you're going to have the option of pursuing your own strategies or his. But if you learn to pray the right kind of strategic prayers and invite him to give you his strategy, He might show up and give you something that's as off the wall as march around Jericho. God, we've never won a war like that before. It doesn't matter. March around Jericho. Because when you are marching and implementing his strategy, his omniscience, his knowledge is at work. And his power is going to cause what he has already spoken into existence over you to come to pass. Mm, I, I, I need somebody to grip that right now. Get a hold of it. Reach out. God's spoken a word. I'm talking to somebody. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my heart. God's spoken a word over your life that hasn't come to pass yet. But he's got a strategy that in 2022 he's going to put into action. And he's going to cause it to be backed by his power. And that word is going to come to maturation in your life. And when he says it, that's the final word on the subject. Hallelujah. What you need to understand is that Satan uses strategy too, which is why we need God's strategy. Satan's strategy is always based on one of three things, deception, accusation, or temptation. Always. No matter what you're going through out there, one of those three things is going to be a component of that, if not more than one. I'll show you that Satan is a strategist. In Genesis 3 and 1, The very first time the enemy pops up in the Bible, this is what God says, that the serpent was very subtle and crafty, more than any other creature that lived. In other words, he was strategic and he used strategy to defeat or deceive Adam and Eve. But God's plans of battle, I want to remind you of this as I move forward, are always superior to those plans that the enemy has conceived. But I need to tell you, that the enemy does have plans. Job 5 and 12, this is what the scripture says. He, God, frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot carry out their plans. Devices refers to the enemy's strategies and methods. The word plans does as well. Look at your neighbor and say, the enemy has plans for you this year. Would you do that? Now look right back at him and say, I don't care what he's got planned. I'm going by God's plans. <laughs> I'm having so much fun this morning. Ephesians 6 and 11, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles again means strategy of the enemy. The apostle Paul goes on to also talk 
in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, the verses prior to that, you will see him talking about, about this before he makes this statement. He's talking about unforgiveness being a strategy that Satan uses to cause us harm. And he writes to the church in Corinth that we must forgive others, not because they deserve it, but listen to this. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. The word devices, again, refers to strategy. So Satan will cause somebody to do you wrong, so you will get bitterness in your heart. But his ultimate strategy was not the harm they did you. The ultimate strategy was to cause the unforgiveness in your heart to keep you from being able to move forward with your life. There's a strategy. I'm talking to somebody. Look, can I just say it the way I feel like it? Can 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 I get down on street level for just a moment? Don't you let some sucker do you wrong and fill your heart with unforgiveness. You go around and you get robbed of your blessing and robbed of your destiny. You look at that fellow and say, you might not deserve it, but I'm forgiving you anyway. And then you look over at the devil and say, ha, 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 I figured out your strategy. You're not going to hold me back. Amen. So in these verses I've just read, you have four words that refer to strategies of the enemy. In Job Job mentioned devices and plans. Ephesians, Paul speaks of the wiles of Satan. And then in 2 Corinthians, he refers to the devices of Satan. But here's the good news. I'm getting where I want to go. Oh, I can't wait. God's strategies are far greater than the enemy's. In his omniscience, God chose that through the strategy of prayer it would release his omnipotence. You got to think that one through. God set it up. He's got all this power and might, but what releases his power in his omniscience or in his wisdom, God chose to set things up in such a way that when you pray, that's what releases his power. Look at our text. God said, when we pray, he will answer. Look at it. Call to me and I will answer you. That means you and you and you and you and you and you. If you will call on him, he will answer. I need somebody to say me. Amen. And who is it referring to? The text says it's the one who created it all. He's got enough power that he flung stars from his fingertips and created galaxies that have, our Milky Way, they claim has at least two trillion stars in it. He just flung those from his fingertips. The creator of it all said this, I'll put that same power to work in your situation if you will first call on me, I will answer you. And then he said, I will show you great and mighty things. Mm. Not defeat, not loss. I'm not going to show you destruction. I'm going to show you great and mighty things. Now, are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, buckle up your seatbelt. Would you do that? (laughs) The word for things where God says he will show us Things that are great and mighty is actually a Hebrew word that describes two different things. It has two different meanings. The first is, it means he will build a fortified wall as in around a city. Back in ancient times, they would build cities that had walls around them, like at Jericho, to defend themselves from attack. And when the enemy would come in, all the people of the community would go inside the city to their stronghold. Amen. And God said, if you will call on me, 
He said, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. But that word things means I will build a fortified wall around you. In other words, God will give us a divine strategy of protection and he will become, oh, I feel it now, our wall of defense that the enemy cannot break through to get to us. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. When you call on God, he becomes your fortress. I'm talking to somebody that's under attack right now. You need to know that God has got this. Who am I talking to out there? Lord have mercy. All you got to do is call on him and you're desperate and you're scrambling for solutions. And what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to stop the enemy, but you can talk to somebody who can. He can stop the enemy right now. He can build a wall around you that no enemy can get through because God said, I will be a wall of fire all around her and I will be the glory in the midst of her. You call on God, he builds up a wall of fire around about you. All you have to do is call on him. And he said, I will be a wall of fire round about you. I'm talking, I feel it right now so strongly. I'm not sure who it is. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you're struggling right now because you feel under attack. All you have to do is call on him. Stop worrying about the situation. Call on the name of the Lord. He said, I will hear you and I will build up a wall of defense around you. Somebody take time to give God a praise break right now. Somebody that that is a word for, lift up your voice to God and give God a shout of affirmation and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. But third, the scripture says the things he will show us are things we do not know. You understand what that means? You're not going to figure it out by yourself. That's why you need to pray. He's omniscient. We're not. Amen. As we pray. God defends us and gives us a strategy that will defeat the enemy. That's what he did with Jehoshaphat. Who in the world would have come up with a strategy like this? President Biden would fire every general that he has if they said, well, you know, you got, they got that situation going over there right now with Ukraine and Russia. This is our recommendation to you, President, Mr. President. We recommend that you go and get a bunch of worshipers to go out and stand in the middle and begin to praise the Lord. And God will come defend peace and bring peace in the earth. President Biden would say, have you lost your mind? Because that is not a strategy that you would normally use in a situation where there is war. But that is exactly the strategy that God gave Jehoshaphat. When they were attacked by this innumerable army of three different nations. And they sent out the worshipers and God fought for them. And so God said that if you will pray, I will be your wall of fire of protection. And I will give you a strategy that you, you, there's no way you can figure this one out. It's going to look silly to you. God will sometimes ask you to do things that you just simply, What? I know that wasn't God. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. But it really is the Lord. 
like you're in the middle of financial distress and God says, pay your tithes. Well, God, I can't even pay my light bill. God said, just do what I said. I've got the strategy and I've got the omniscience to make what I said come to pass in your life. But this, then I went on and I realized as I studied and looked at, he, at the Hebrew word for things where God said, I will show you things we do not know, that the word things has a second meaning and I'm closing. It also means to gather in grapes or harvest. I looked at that and I, I got so happy. I, I mean, I had myself a time with God all by myself, nobody else around. If you had seen me, you would have thought I had lost my mind. God said, if you will call on me, I will hear you and I will build a wall of protection, a fortress around you. But I will also turn the attack of the enemy into a harvest. You didn't get it. God said, I'm gonna turn it around And the attack that was designed to make you fall is getting ready to become a harvest season. And that's the word I want to share with somebody in this house. God's about to turn your attack into a harvest. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the anointing of the Lord here. You've been under attack. Some of you have faced things in your life, your marriage. But God said, look, it's all part of my strategy. It was designed to get you to pray. (laughs) Because I've got a harvest that I cannot release. Until you call upon me. And when you call upon me, guess what? The season is going to change and it's harvest season in your life. It's no longer winter. That's what the psalmist had in mind when he said in Psalms 23 that he prepares a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. You see, God doesn't want to do all this stuff without an audience. He wants the devil to think he's got it won. He wants him to call in all of his demonic forces and little hordes of devils. And they're going to all begin to rejoice and chortle and say, we got him on the ropes. We got her on the ropes. We're about to win. And then God, as you begin to call on his name, turns the whole thing around and prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. So the enemy walks away saying, I didn't realize it was going to end like this. I'm talking to somebody that's on the verge of a breakthrough in their life. Bless his name, bless his name. Hallelujah. I told y'all, y'all gonna, y'all gonna have to forgive me this morning. I feel, I feel good. God will cause an attack against you to become the means whereby your harvest is released. You're attacked in your finances. God can release a harvest in your finances. You're attacked in your relationship. God can release a harvest in your relationship. And I'm done. Learning to pray devotional prayers will enable you to pray successful strategic prayers. Remember, devotional prayers are about your relationship with God. It's you and God. Seven different kinds of devotional prayers. Affects you. But strategic prayers, they affect the world around you. 
Amen. It affects your family. You see, here's what I found out as a pastor. And I used to do this too. When I was young and just got saved, I want God to use me to raise the dead. <laughs> You're almost hoping somebody would die so you can test out your faith. And <laughs> not, not really, I said almost. Amen. You want to see the sick healed? Somebody says, I'm not feeling too good. Oh, let me pray for you. Let me. You got your hand out and your oil getting ready. You're getting ready to pour it on their head and pray for them. We always want to start with strategic prayers because things like miracles are the result of strategic prayers. But where you really start is devotional prayers. So over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about some of those. And again, the five strategic prayers are prayers of intercession. Prayers of agreement. I'm going to speak too fast for you to take notes. Declarative or confessional prayers where you declare the word of God over your situation. They're warfare prayers. And I'm going to show you how to use all of those. And then governmental prayers. And so this series that I'm in, Andrew announced the title last Sunday, but I've waited until now before I use the title. I want to teach you how to pray prayers that make the difference. Everybody say the difference. I didn't say prayers that make a difference. Prayers that make the difference. Those are two different meanings altogether. So how do you pray strategic prayers? To pray successful strategic prayers first create the foundation of a good devotional prayer life. And that's what Andrew was talking about last Sunday. So I'm going to close. Would you stand with me, please? And we'll get to the rest of this. Did I help anybody today? Amen. Paul? God's going to turn every attack into a harvest. I wonder who needs an attack turned into a harvest right now. Who needs God to raise up a wall of defense around about them? If you don't know the Lord, you haven't given your heart to God yet right now. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that. While every head is bowed. If you're here today and you need Christ, raise up your hand and say, pray for me. I need Jesus. Raise your hand right where you are. God bless you. God bless you. Keep raising them. I need to give my heart to the Lord. God bless you. Risers, God bless you in the center section. God bless you all across this building. If you're at home and you don't know Jesus, you can raise your hand right now in your living room while you're watching our service today that you're a part of. Or if you're driving down the highway and you're listening to this, you can just simply right where you're at, raise your hand and say, that's me. And with every head bowed, Father, I thank you for every precious soul that feels the tug of God at their heart. They mean so much to you. So much that you gave your only begotten son that they could have life. And right now, we pray this prayer collectively as the corporate body of Christ. Forgive us of our sins. Come into our hearts. Be our Lord and Savior as we take these first meaningful steps to you. We invite you to sit on the throne of our lives. We invite you to make us your children and we believe that you're hearing us right now. And we truly believe this, Lord. We truly believe this. We believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and let's give those who prayed that prayer a welcome into the kingdom of God and let's have a party. Somebody give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah.
If you just prayed that prayer, there's three things I want you to do. Number one, get baptized in water to obey the commands of our Lord and Savior. Number two, be filled with the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you can live a victorious, spirit-filled life. And number three, become a Bible-believing disciple. That means join a church and be there in the services. And if you live within 50 miles of Inspire, we claim you as part of our family right now. Amen. We're not even going to let you vote. You just belong here. You might as well get used to it. Amen. So look around at your new brothers and sisters. We're so glad you're here. And you can go to this QR code. Yeah, go ahead and give them an applause. We are so glad they're here. Hallelujah. Amen. You can go to the QR code and there are a number of things you can do. You can make a prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to God. Make an appointment to be baptized. Or you can go and you will find the word join and you can join the devotionals. And you will find a a number. Put that up on the screen if you would please. Uh, I write a devotional every day. And that devotional is something that we study together, just simply text the word join to that number or you can find it on the QR code. But God's not done yet. God's not done. There are people that need a breakthrough in this building. And somebody needs a wall of fire built round about them right now. And somebody needs a harvest to replace the attack they're going through at this moment. I'm not asking everybody to come because we're still social distancing. But if you're one of those that needs a breakthrough, I want you to come stand at the front right now, if you would, please. Anybody here need a breakthrough? Come right now. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to have others pray for you. Don't worry. We're going to do it with, with, with uh, concerns for one another's health, uh, fresh in mind. We're not going to violate any protocols, but just come and space out. Because we want to pray for you. God's going to turn somebody's attack into a harvest season. Mm, 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 mm. Lord, have mercy. If you will, just kind of move out across the front just a little bit. Others coming behind you. Oh, I feel the Lord in this place. As soon as this Omicron thing has peaked and it it goes back down. We're going to have full-fledged altar calls again, and I can't wait for that. But right now, I want to help somebody. Who in this building right now, you're under attack and you need God to stop it and turn it into a harvest? Raise your hand, those of you that are, my God, that's nearly everybody in the altar. Okay, put your hands down. Who in this altar area... You need God to build a fortress around you because the attacks just keep on coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and you don't know how to find any relief from that. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this altar. Andrew, get ready to come help me close this service if you would. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to move in this altar. I want you to touch every heart here. Father, we pray right now just as your word said. Your word said that if we call upon you, that you will answer and you will show us great and mighty things. We're calling on you right now in the name of Jesus. We're asking you to release your authority, release your power, release a breakthrough in this place. Touch somebody right now. Is there anybody in this altar area that's facing cancer right now? Could I see your hands? Anybody? I just feel an anointing to pray against cancer right now. Anybody? Okay. Anybody? I see a couple of hands that are raised. Let's pray right now. How many of you?
you have a loved one that's faced a situation. You have a situation with a loved one. Okay. I want this church to lift up a great cry. I want us to do what the Bible said. Call upon me, the Lord said, and I will answer. Let's pray right now, expecting an answer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray against cancer right now. We pray for every one of these in this altar that's facing this ordeal. If there's anybody else in this building, we pray for healing. We pray for miracles. We pray for deliverance. We pray for you to move. We pray for you to stop the aggression of cancer, the invasion of the enemy. Raise up a wall of fire, a fortress around that person. Heal that individual God. Stop the mutation of those cells that is bringing destruction eradicate them and eliminate them from the body. We pray against every tumor. We don't care where it's at. We pray against breast cancer. We pray against stomach cancer. We pray against brain cancer. We pray against pancreatic cancer. We pray for healing. We pray for healing. And we we praise you right now because we know your word says that you're hearing us. You're hearing us. Now show us great and mighty things that we do not know. God, show us a doctor's report. Show us a report of a surgeon. Show us the report of a physician. Show us the report of an MRI that says where cancer used to be, it's gone. We know that you're a prayer answering God. Do for somebody what you did for Linda Miller. God, I want you to remove it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Give God some praise in this house. Give God some praise in this house.